The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Okay, so today we, we are starting a new series, Crossroads. Crossroads. Everybody say Crossroads. A crossroad is an intersection that's too close. <laughs> Thank you. A crossroad is an I'm at a crossroads right now. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Thank you. A crossroad is an intersection of two or more roads. An intersection of two or more roads. A road, basically, is a pathway to a destination. Roads are pathways to destination. So when you, when you have an intersection of two pathways to two different destinations, you have a crossroad. You have a crossroad. So it means if you take this path, this road, it takes you to a different destination. If you take this other road, it takes you to a different destination, but you are at a point where those two roads intersect. You have a crossroad. You choose a destination by choosing a road and staying on that road. You choose a destination by choosing a path and staying on that path. What, what am I saying? I, you know, a lot of us, we are overly consumed with our destiny. What's my destiny? What's my purpose in life? What am I here for? And we don't pay attention to the roads we are choosing right now. The path you choose determine the destination you will arrive at. So if I choose a path that goes to VI, when I choose that path, I've already chosen the destination called Victoria Land. If I choose the path that goes to once I've chosen the path, once I start out on that path, my destination is fixed. So it is the path that determines the destination. So when you have two or more paths crossing, you have a crossroad. Right there, you have a crossroad. So you have to choose. And for all of us, there's a path we should choose and there's a path we should not choose. Everybody here has a path they should choose and a path they will not choose. By the time we are done with this series, by the grace of God, you will only choose the right path in the mighty name of Jesus. Proverbs 14, 12 says to us, Proverbs 14, 12, that there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. There's a path before each person. Everybody has their own. I have my own. You have your own. That looks right. It seems right. But the end is death. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you will not take that path. And I will not take that path in the mighty name of Jesus. So, Crossroads provides the opportunity to change direction or stay on track. Crossroads provides us the opportunity to change our destinies or to reaffirm our destinies. 
Destinies are formed at crossroads. Destinies are formed at crossroads. If you think about your life, think about the turns you've taken. Think about the decisions you've made at crossroads and look at where you are today. See how those decisions have impacted your life. Decision of what to study. The decision of who to marry. The decision of who not to marry. <laughs> the decision of where to look, where to stay. Should I relocate to Abakaliki or should I stay in Abuliagba? Should I or should I not? If you think back at your life, the decisions you have made has greatly, greatly impacted your destiny, your life, the school you attend. If you are going to be a giver, if you are going to be an irrational giver, like, like I said in the AM service, by, by the grace of God, I, I'm an irrational giver. Who is an irrational giver? An irrational giver is the person that wants to give and look at the situation and says, ah, this thing does not make sense and gives anyway. <laughs> an irrational giver is, is like someone, you see somebody else in need and you yourself, you have that need. Somebody else needs 50,000 naira. You need 50,000 naira. An irrational giver says to the other person, take the 50,000 naira. I will believe God. That's an irrational giver. Praise the name of the Lord. It is the pathway to abundance. The person you are going to follow it's a decision to take. Am I going to follow Jesus? Am I not going to follow Jesus? Am I going to abort the baby? Am I not going to abort the baby? It's a decision you make and it's going to impact your life. So crossroads are crunch times. There are times where destinies are formed. And, and those of us that live in this part of Lagos, we are familiar with crossroads. We are familiar with um, the, the lucky roundabouts and the disappearance of the roundabout. I'm going to show you a picture of one of our roundabouts. Which, which roundabout is this? Who knows? Which one is this? BGC? No? Jakonde? No? Chevron? No? <laughs> Come on, I thought you live here. Are you guys visiting from the mainland? Okay, okay, no, don't worry. It's not an exam, it's not a test. Um, so, the, so this is a crossroad managed by a roundabout. The, the, the next crossroad is the vision of, of the, the, gov, the current government of Lagos State. They want to abolish the roundabout and have the, you know, claiming five minutes, everything will be fine. You will not stay in traffic for um, 30 minutes again. I pray it works. But the point is this. When you get to a crossroad, there are traffic controls that nations adopt. There's the uncontrolled crossroad, which is give way to all traffic on your left. So it's uncontrolled. You just get there, traffic on your left goes. Then you have the boxed crossroad. You have the signal-controlled crossroads. 
that traffic light controls um, crossroads. You have the roundabout controlled, um, the traffic on the roundabout has a right of way. You have the stop sign control, four-way stop sign. You use mostly in the US, when you get to the stop sign, you stop. Everything just makes sense. The traffic just flows, you know. So when you get to a crossroad, the first thing you check is what governs the crossroad. And based on what governs the crossroad, you make your decision. So if it is a traffic light crossroad, you don't treat it like a stop sign crossroad. If it's a roundabout crossroad, you don't treat it like a boxed crossroad. Am I making sense? So when you get to a crossroad, the first thing you check is what? What governs it? What governs the, the crossroads? So crossroads are critical. They are too critical. And they force us to make decisions. When you're at a crossroad, you have to make a decision. And you don't have all day to make a decision. Am I going straight? Am I turning left? Am I turning right? Usually, you should have made your decision before you get to the crossroad. Why? Because that determines the lane you will be on. If you encounter someone that gets to the crossroad, I'm sure a lot of you, you must have, have been behind a car and the driver doesn't know where she wants to go, if she wants to go left or if she wants to go. I say she because it's usually she. It's, 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 usually, usually. You know, I mean, you know, I, I tease my wife with that. I said, I said to her, I'm sure this person is a woman. And she looks at me. I said, okay, let's find out. We get there's the man. I said, there's the man. His wife convinced him. <laughs> you know, but, but, but it, it's so, it can be annoying when you get there and the person doesn't know where they're going. And the light is changing. And, it, and, and people are hooting. People are on it. And the person is like, hey, where's the way to Lokoja? That is not the time. To find. So crossroads are peculiar because you have to make a decision and your decision must be pre-made. So when you step out in life and you go and you make your journey, you get to a point and you're like, Am I going this way? Or am I going this way? Or am I going this way? Now, by the time you get here, you should have made up your mind where you want to go. Am I turning this way? Am I going this way? Am I going this way? It is not at this point that you determine where you want to go. So there are certain pointers, you know, in the path of life, if you follow up Jesus Christ, there are certain pointers to our lives that they are predetermined decisions when we get to crossroads. Number one, when we are following Jesus, we don't make U-turns. We don't make U-turns. 
Hebrews 10, 39 says, we are not of those that turn back. So when, when we are following Jesus, if this journey is, is a journey that follows Jesus, when, when we get to this crossroad, we don't make U-turns. The people that want to make U-turn need to turn left and probably find a way back or need to turn right and probably find a way back. When you're following Jesus, we don't make U-turns. Another one would be this. God says to us that we should find the straight path, the narrow way. We should follow it. Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Matthew 7, 13 to 14. It says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy. So if you see something that is easy and wide, it leads to destruction. And those that enter are many. In other words, let me break it down. God is saying, check what is trending. Usually God is in the other direction. Go on Twitter. What is trending? Go on Facebook. What is trending? Trending is going this way. God is usually going the other way. Trending is saying, let's, let's leave the trending. You know, but usually, 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 God is, the, is, is going it's going the, the other way. So crossroads provides an opportunity to change direction or stay on track. So when we are at the crossroad, we must know what to do and do it. Where we are at the crossroads, we need wisdom at the crossroads. Wisdom is required at the crossroads. Wisdom is different from knowledge. Wisdom is different from knowledge. Knowledge is um, acquisition of, of information. That is knowledge. When you have information, it's, it's knowledge. Wisdom is different. The bridge to knowledge and wisdom that connects knowledge and wisdom is understanding. That's the bridge. So you have knowledge on one hand, wisdom on the other hand. Understanding is the bridge. What is the understanding? Comprehension of information. So you can have knowledge and not know what it means. The, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading the Bible. She, he was getting knowledge. Stephen came along. Was it Stephen or Philip? Philip came along and, and said, do you understand what you read? And, and he says, I don't understand. So he had knowledge, but he had no understanding. You can cram the multiplication table. But not many children understand the multiplication table. I was visiting with um, a family in South Africa, and, and um, the, the way the education system, the father was brought up the Nigerian way, and he, he put up a multiplication table on his wall, and he told his children, seven times seven, they should be reciting. And the boy says, no. The boy says, he's not reciting this thing. And the father says, what? You have, this is how we learned it. The boy says, no. That I need to understand how come seven times seven is 49. And the boy broke it down to the father. And okay, this is seven. And it goes seven times. And it comes 49. And it, does, it says he doesn't want to cram it. And, and the father says, can you imagine? I said, but the boy is right. The boy is right. What is the point of cramming multiplication table you don't understand? Wisdom. 
Why is five times four twenty? Okay, I'm going to ask you. Why is five times four twenty? You are adults, you understand it. Go home and ask. The average child maybe don't, does not really understand. Understanding is key. Now, so to, to know something is one thing, to understand it is another thing, and to properly apply it is, is wisdom. Wisdom is the proper application of what you know. So if you know something and you don't understand it, the chances are you will not be able to apply it. If you apply it, it will be by chance, and you will not be able to repeat it. But if you understand it, you will be able to reproduce it and apply it over and over and over again. And wisdom stays where? At the crossroads. Proverbs 8, 1 and 2. Proverbs 8, 1 and 2 says to us, Listen as wisdom calls out. Air as understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop, along the road, she takes her stand where? At the crossroads. Wisdom takes her stand at the crossroads. So wisdom is always at the crossroads. At the crossroads. At the crossroads. <sighs> One of the easiest ways to access wisdom at the crossroads is to ask. Everyone say, ask. Ask. Just ask. Just ask. Stay with God. Ask. For direction, ask. Just ask. And asking requires humility. Asking is admittance that I don't know. And, and, and we don't, we usually don't want to admit that we don't know. Particularly those of us that are of the male species. We don't want to admit we don't know. I've told you this story several times. <laughs> you know how years ago my wife and I were on, going to some place. And we both don't know the, the place, but we've gotten the direction, and we have the address. And we are driving, and we are going round and round. And my wife says, why don't we just ask for direction? And I said, what? No. Why should we ask? I'm going to find this place. And we're going and going round and round. And she was getting upset. Can't we just ask? I said, why should we ask? Why should we ask? And we kept going around and around until we didn't find the place. <laughs> we didn't find the place. Then I said, okay, let's ask this man. So we asked the guy, and he just told us, oh, that's the place. Very simple. And we got to the place, and my gave me that look. You know that, that look, that look that is only woman knows that don't have to give that look. If I try it, I can't even do it well. She gave me that look. But, but, but the point is, why do men find it difficult to ask for direction? Why? Why do men find it difficult to ask for help? Your marriage is going down. You know this is going to eat the rock. You don't want to ask for help. What is he going to tell me that I don't know? If you knew it, why are you in trouble? Why are you going around and around and around if you need? <laughs> I made up my mind. Listen, earlier on, maybe that event and some other event, that look, let me, it won't kill you to ask. 
Just ask. And guess what? I've been asking, and I'm not dead. So I want to recommend it. Ask, and you shall not die. <laughs> Just ask. Just ask. Why should I ask? Because you don't know. Who told you I don't know? Because you're on the same spot. And I'm going to figure it out. For how long? There are men that have kept their families on the same spot for years. Some decades. Because of ego. They refuse to ask. Say your neighbor, ask, 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 ask. <laughs> Listen, when there's no shame in asking. You only become better by asking and becoming more wise as a person. James 1, 5 says, if you need wisdom, ask. If you need wisdom, ask and God will give you. Just ask and God will give you. Jeremiah 6, 16 says, thus says the Lord, stand by the road, look and, and ask. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But what did they say? Since this strong head is not new with you, they have been doing it since. But the point is, it doesn't help anybody. Praise the name of the Lord. Say, I will ask. <laughs> Why? Because God's ways are not our ways. God's God's ways are definitely not our ways. God knows what we don't know. God definitely knows what we don't know. His ways are not our ways, and he knows what we don't know. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Far beyond anything you could imagine. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. If we are to receive from God, we have to position ourselves to receive from God. If you cannot come to God with your mindset, your mindset is too limited. If you are to receive from God, you have to position to receive. Why? Because the natural mind cannot receive from the Spirit of God. It doesn't make sense. Does it make sense that a virgin will be pregnant and have a child? Does that even make sense? How did she get pregnant? The Holy Ghost, what does that mean? It doesn't make sense. Does it make sense that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life? John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus made that statement. How can you say that? You have seven billion people on earth practicing all sorts of different religions. I can't just say that it's just one way. It doesn't make sense. 
The natural mind does not accept the things of the Spirit of God because they are spiritually discerned. So God wants you and I to understand that the cross of Calvary, the cross of Jesus is the key to life. All the solutions is in the cross. All the riddle, the solution to every riddle is in the cross. The solution to every mystery is in the cross. The solution to every life question is where? Is in the cross. So the cross is God's way. It's God's way. Every decision you are going to make in life. Now listen to this. This is so, 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 so crucial. Every decision you are going to make in life. It's going to be one of these three. Am I going to turn this way? Am I going to turn this way? Or am I going to go this way? This way, the way of self. Now, you know, in, in, in preparing for this service, I sat down and I can't, this is, it may appear so simple, but it's so powerful. Every decision you're going to take is going to be based on this. I sat down and the Holy Spirit drew this thing for me. So it's not original, right? So I'm, I'm communicating what I have received of the Lord. Does that sound spiritual? Cool. So, but I, I just had to say it because I mean, so that you don't think I'm, I'm really smart because I'm not that smart. Now, so the way of, of, of what? Of self. Is it going to be this way? The way of the world. Or is it going to be this way? The way of God. <laughs> Every decision you are going to take in life. All the crossroads of your life. Is it going to be this way? The way of the world? This way? The way of self? Or this way? The way of God? You're like, okay, but pastor, the way, where is it? The way of the devil? The way of the devil, the devil doesn't have a way. Does it? He uses this to he uses this up. And see, as, 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 it, as a um, series progress, we are going to unpack this, you know, because, I mean, this is going to lead up to Easter, um, the way of the world, the way of the flesh, and on Easter we, use, we do the, the way of, of the Lord. The devil doesn't have a way. So, is it like the way of, of, of the world, the way of, of self, or the, or the way of God? Every decision you have made in the past, it's one of those three. Is it like the way of the world, the way of self, the way of God? Every decision you will make going forward is going to be either the way of the world, the way of self, or, or the way of God. And the solution, everything is encapsulated, is wrapped up in the cross of Jesus. Everything, everything wrapped up in the cross of Calvary. Everything wrapped up in the cross 
of Jesus. Everything wrapped up in the cross. Everything. Everything wrapped up in the cross. So if, if it's in the cross, the solution to this dilemma that we face in life, it's in the cross. The cross is the way, and the way is the cross. The cross is the key, and the key is the cross. The cross of Jesus encapsulates everything. So if you can engage, understand, apply the cross, you find out that you be able to navigate the crossroads of life. You will always make the right decision. Always, 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 always. The cross is not just a fashion statement. It's not a fashion accessory. It's not, it's not just a crucifix that you wear on, on your chest or, or to, you tattoo on your hands, you know, or, or you put in front of your house or you hang as an emblem in your car. The cross is, is the life of God released to man. The cross of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The cross is the difference between being a follower of Jesus and those that are not followers of Jesus. It's the cross. It's the cross if you take Islam, for instance, and Christianity, huge difference. Huge difference. God, Christianity, is about love. Love your neighbor. If they slap you on one cheek, what does God say? What does Jesus say? Turn the other cheek, you know. But the other side says, you know, you know what it says? Islam is Sharia. Sharia is Islam. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not, I mean, not a hate speech. It's, it's fact. Praise the Lord. This is fact. So, one, Islam, is a political religion. Christianity is not, is not a religion. But for the sake of social understanding, let's call it a religion. Christianity is not a political religion. It's not a political religion at all. At all. And that's the huge dilemma with us that are Christians in the world. People are trying to establish a Christian state. God is not interested in a Christian state. Our kingdom is not of this world. Our kingdom is not of this world. So while every other person is trying to establish their caliphate, the Christians should not. Why? Because we look for a city whose maker and builder is who? Is God. The Christians should not. And it's a question that is not, it's not particular to us. It's not new in our generation. From the disciples, they had a struggle. If you, if you read the book of Acts of Apostles, chapter 1, verse 6 to 8, Jesus has demonstrated his power. He has risen from the dead. And the disciples, the only thing on their mind was this. So when the apostles 
were with Jesus. They, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel? What does that mean? To deliver Israel as a political conqueror from the Roman clause and to restore our kingdom. Is it time, for, because you have all the powers in the heavens and the earth, is it time for you to establish your kingdom? And he, Jesus, replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates. And it's going to happen when the kingdom of our God shall become the kingdom of, on earth. Praise the name of the Lord. And they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness. So Jesus is saying, your business is to be, to be winning souls. Your business is to be setting the captives free. Your business is to be preaching the gospel when you've received the power of the Holy Spirit. Your business is not to set up a kingdom. Wow. And when he was explaining to the disciples on the way to Emmaus, this concept is so important that if you understand it, you will be at peace in this world. There's a lot of confusion in the world. A whole lot of confusion. If you understand that to be a follower of Jesus is to seek for a kingdom that is not here physically, you'll be at peace. When you know that your king is in control and is going to rule on this earth, when the time comes, you'll be at peace. You'll be at peace. So he was saying to the disciples on the way to Emma's Luke 24, I mean, verse 25, Jesus was speaking to them. He was saying to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote, all the prophets wrote in scriptures. So Jesus is saying, this thing is prophetic, and I'm, I've come to fulfill these prophecies. And can't you see, it is all over scriptures. All over scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets. And that's by the grace of God in tribe. This is what we're going to begin to look at. Jesus, the embodiment of prophecy. We're going to begin to look from the books of Moses. And we're going to look at specific prophecies. Do you know that there are over 300 prophecies about Jesus alone? All of them fulfilled to the letter. All of them. That cannot be a coincidence. Praise the name of the Lord. This is explaining from scriptures to them concerning himself. Concerning himself. So, as we... Look at the crossroads as we look at the cross at this time. One of the prophecies that triggered Jesus' evil coming to the earth in the first place. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Isaiah 6, 8. He says, I heard a voice from the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? <laughs> and who will go for us? Then said I, 
here am I, send me. Now, that was a prophetic picture of what took place when Jesus decided to come for you and I. And, you know, we can look at it and look at the life of Jesus and think that Jesus should have come anyway. But do you know that Jesus did not have to come? Jesus could have chosen not to come. But God said, who will go for us? Who will go for us? Who will go for us? Who shall we send? And Jesus said, here I am. Send me. God is asking you the same question. Speaking over the destinies that he has called you to fulfill. Who will go for us? Who is going to fulfill that destiny? There are some of us who have a, a destiny maybe to write a book. One of the things that God has lined up for you is to write a book. God is saying, who is going to write a book? You know, it's like you have a, you have a father in the house and your dad is at home and, and your dad, you are the only one with your dad at home. Just both of you watching TV and, and your dad says, who is going to get water for me? And you look to the left and you look to the right. And your dad says, I, I need water. Who is going to get water for me? What is he saying? And God is saying to you, who shall I send? Who will go for us? So, that means that prophecies have to survive crossroads in order to be fulfilled. Prophecies have to survive crossroads in order to be fulfilled. In other words, if Jesus did not answer the call, that prophecy will not be fulfilled. There are prophecies that are spoken over your life. The decision you make at the crossroads will determine whether you will fulfill the prophecies or not. Or not. Remember Saul, Saul of Tarsus. No, not Saul of Tarsus. Saul, the first king of Israel. God's prophecy over him. Go and read it. He said that he will rule his people for, he will be the king of his people. And did he say forever? But he didn't say it was going to be cut short. And he talked about his house and all that stuff. But Saul took a turn. And God says, I changed my mind. I thought I would make you the king over my people. But because of this turn you have taken, that prophecy will not come to pass. There are turns you can take that can affect the fulfillment of prophecy. The ones that you will take that will affect it negatively, you will not take. In the name of Jesus. So Jesus could have answered the question, who shall go for us? Who shall we send? And Jesus could also have chosen not to answer. Who shall go for us? The question is this. If Jesus did not answer, where would we be today? Where would you be? Where would I be today if Jesus did not answer? Okay. If you do not answer the call of God on your life, there are people that are connected to you that that's pleased God to connect them to you. If you don't answer that call, 
and throw yourself into it. Question, what will happen to them? What will happen to them? When Jesus got to this point, the same question is consistent. He got to the point, <laughs> who shall we send? Who will go for us? He had a choice to take this bend and go to the way of the world. Do you know Jesus had a chance, choice to go to the way of the world when Satan took him to the wilderness to tempt him and says, bow to me and I will deliver to you the kingdoms of this world. Jesus was tempted, the Bible says. Do you know what it is to be tempted? To be tempted means you are not tempted if something is not tempting. If you don't like beans, let's say you hate beans, can somebody use beans to tempt you? So when you walk past beans, would that be a temptation? Good. So a temptation is a temptation because it is a temptation. <laughs> I know it's tautology. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But the point is, the temptation is a temptation because it is tempting. <laughs> the temptation is a temptation because it is alluring, because it draws you, because... And Jesus was tempted in every way, the Bible said, but he did not sin. What does that tell us? When he was tempted to take the way of the world, he was actually tempted. But he did not take that turn. There are people depending on you not to take this turn. The destinies of your children, the destinies of generations yet to come, are depending on you not to take the stone. Jesus was also tempted to take this stone, the way of self. He was Gethsemane. When he saw the cross, the cross was hard. Ah, Jesus said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup what? Pass over me. Let's renegotiate. Can we renegotiate this thing? You know, sometimes you want to renegotiate with God. Like God says, no. Let's renegotiate this thing. Is it possible? Can I take the turn? Can I take the way of self? But nevertheless, not my will but your will be done. Question, what would have happened if Jesus had taken this stone? What would have happened? What would have happened to, to you and I if Jesus has taken this stone? What would have happened? What would, what would be the Christian story? What would be the story that would be told about, about, about him, about, about us? What would be the story? He came and he How do you want your story to be told? How do you want your story to be told? He came, he got to this point, he went the way of the world. That is not your story. He came, he got to this point, he went the way of, of self. That will not be your story. 
Jesus stayed the course. Your story will be, she came, she saw this stone, she overcame, she saw that stone, she overcame, and she stayed the course and went the way of God. That will be your story. That will be your story. So, remember, you make up your mind, the direction, before you get to the crossroad. You determine the story you want told about your life before you get to this crossroad. You know, I've, I've told you, I've told you the, the story I want, told, I, want, I, I want told about my life. It's simple. Two things. When I go over there, I just want Jesus to say what? Well done, Femi. That's all I want to hear in my whole life. That would be, that would be worth everything. If I show up before Jesus and he says, Femi, well done. Good and faithful. What else can a man ask for? Down here, my children, everybody gathering at my tombstone, and they write my epitaph. I've written my epitaph. Do you know that? I've told you what's on my epitaph already. If Jesus tarries, if rapture does not happen, I've told you what's on my epitaph. Should I tell you again? It's simple. What they should write there is, if they, if they think so, that is, <laughs> he pleased God. That's all. I'm not interested in pleasing any man. I'm not interested in being famous. I'm not interested in being rich. I'm not interested. I, I have no interest. If it's outside of God's will, no interest whatsoever. There's only one objective of this life. E, please. Please, God. Glory be to Jesus. What's your story? What do you want said about you? That's what we determine what you do at the crossroad. Because you determine the direction. You don't want to be like that woman that you're always earning for <laughs> at the crossroad to make up her mind where she wants to go. You want to be clear. And, and this scripture in Isaiah 6 verse 8 is very um, personal to me because in August of 1995, 22 years ago, I gave my life to Jesus. Surrendered my life to Jesus. I was in Unilag at the time. My final year. I don't even know what made me go for that program. I don't even know who invited me. There was some program they were having at the chapel. And I went. And I, and I, I stayed at the back, one corner. You know, all these born again people. You know, you stay away from them. <laughs> so I stayed at the back. <laughs> and the, 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 the man ministering, um, Reverend Francis Wally, okay, I don't know if you guys know him. You know, it was, it was on fire, as in I have never seen my life at the time. I was like, what? And he preached to it. Isaiah 6. Isaiah 1, 8, 6, 8. 
Who shall we send? Who shall go for us? And I heard a voice saying, here I am. Send me. And he finished preaching and he gave the altar call. And I sat down there. I couldn't move. And he was pressed for time. And he says for time. He's going to leave us with a song. And he sang. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. For the Lord needs somebody. Here I am. Send. And I sat down there and the whole auditorium emptied. And I was the only one there for hours. I was weeping. That's how I came to Jesus. That was my story. I was crying. I was like, God, okay, I surrender. If you can use anybody. I didn't even know what I, what I was saying. I mean, in retrospect. But I couldn't stop singing that song. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me for the love needs some somebody. Here I am. Send me. And I wept and wept and wept until. I got up from there saved, as in delivered, totally, totally. I've never met him, even after that. I don't even know him. But you see, that's one thing about God. You don't know the seed you have sown. He's done, he's only gone. But maybe we'll meet in heaven. God is asking you the question over your life. Who shall we send? Who shall go for us? What is going to be your response? Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. The Lord Talk to God. For the Lord needs somebody. Here I am. Send me. While the song goes on in the background, I want to pray with you. You are here. 
You're, you want to say, you're like me, 22 years ago, you are far from God. You may be close to church, but you know you are far from God. You want to respond, you want to say, Pastor, pray with me, I want to pray with you. Should I come forward? You don't need to come forward. That is you, wherever you are seated. I want to pray with you. Put up your hand now, quickly, and I'll pray with you. Over your head. Put it up over your head. Now pull up your hand, pull up your hand. Well, 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 over your head. The structures are scrolling if you are online. That is me. Pray with me. Not on your head. Just slip it up over your head. Pray with me, Pastor. God bless you. If I pull up your hand, pull up your hand well, well, over your head. For the Lord God bless you. Put it up, put it up, and, and there will still be a card in your hand. Once you have the card, you can put it on your hand. Once you have the card, you can put it on your hand. It's okay. Oh, Rami, That is me. Pass up. Put up your hand wherever you are seated. If you if you have the card, you can put it down. It's okay. Put down that hand. Now, there's a second group of people I want to pray with. There's a call of God upon your life. You are afraid. You know, sometimes you, you, you want to preserve yourself. You want to, you want to avoid the cross. You, you, want, you want to avoid the cross. When you are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I need grace today. Put up your two hands. God bless you. You are saved. You are saved. You put up your two hands. Don't give them cards. And just say, Lord, I release my life to you, Lord. I release my life to you. Here I am, Lord, of course. Why should I be afraid? When you have called me, for the Lord needs somebody. Here I am. Send me. Father in heaven, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you afresh. In here, online, we ask that you reveal yourself to these ones in the mighty name of Jesus. For those of us that are recommitting to your call, you have not given us the spirit of fear again. Lord, we will not take the turn of the world, the way of the world. We will not take the way of self. We will take the way of the Lord. We receive your grace today. We honor and we bless your holy name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. 
Amen. Let's pray together for the Lord, for his kindness, for his mercy, for his word, his favor.